0: Good morning, everybody. Um, I've realized the last few days my accent is not that easy to pick up. So um, I I unfortunately can't talk too slow. (laughs) But um, if you have a problem, I said to the the classes I was running if you have a problem with my accent, just put your hand up. Um, Even if you give me the look, you know, put the hand up and I'll know okay, that, that means slow down or. I'll try my best. <laughs> my my um, background in South Africa, I'm from Cape Town. Come on. And uh, one of the be- most beautiful cities in, in true, South Africa. <laughs> Let me keep it there. <laughs> um, you know, we've got, we've got the, the beaches. I think we took it to the beach, eh? We've got the beaches, like a 40 minute drive, you ride right into the vineyard. And um, we just have this amazing creation of God that we enjoy, and I think almost enjoy to the point that we, um, you know, kind of take it for granted, <laughs> to be honest with you. But I've, I've got a wife, one wife. Um, <laughs> I, I thought it would be important to say one because our previous president, I think, is on nine or something. <laughs> so um, I've got one wife, I've got three kids, I've got three children, um, I've got two daughters that are. The age of, well, the one's turning 13, the other one's turning 11, and I'm all of a sudden starting to feel old, you know. <laughs> I've got a little boy, he's four years old, and um, we as a family, we were doing some fun things together. We, we just decided, you know what, we got to live life, right? Yeah. And so um, a friend of mine, Dan McCallum, he wrote a couple of books um, for children, on how to experience the, the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. You know what I found, my wife and I, when we were looking for things to help our children to, to learn about God and to learn about the Holy Spirit, we found a lot of things on the fruits of the Spirit, but n- hardly anything on the, the gifts. And so um, we thought we can't you know, um, do something with our kids unless we're actually activated in them. So one of my girls, um, she started praying for healing for people, which I found out at the church one day. I, I, didn't, I honestly did not know they were doing this. Um, so I walked into church one day. I'm standing at the back, and this lady came up to me, and she said, I heard your daughter's praying for healing, and people are getting healed. And I looked, I thought she was choking, you know? So I looked at her and I said, are, are you sure? My daughter, <laughs> I said, which one? And she said, um, Irena, that's the, the second eldest. And um, so she said, I've got a back problem. Do, do you mind if I ask your daughter to pray for me? I mean, honestly, I was, I was so shocked. I, I wanted to see this, you know? <laughs> so I said, yeah, I, t- I took her to, to Irena. I said, Irena, this lady wants you to pray for her. And uh, I was also testing to see if, if the lady was correct. This is the right <laughs> girl, you know. And uh, my daughter went and she said, Dad, sure. And she stretched her hands out and she just said, very simply, um, in the name of Jesus, be healed. <laughs> and I looked as the father, I was shocked, I, I was stunned, you know, I looked and the next thing, the lady starts weeping and she's completely healed. So I'm, I'm so intrigued, okay, because I know my daughter. She's an amazing, an amazing business lady. She runs her own brownies. You guys know what brownies are, right? Yeah, yeah, those little cookies. She sells them. She made so much money last year that she bought us all gifts for Christmas. And, um, (laughs) And so I thought, wait, wait, something must be up. I said, Irena, we got home. I said, Irena, explain to daddy, when have you started praying for people for healing? And Irena said, dad, you know, at uh, we got children's church. It's called Shine, you know. At Shine, they taught us about the Holy Spirit. And they said, uh, you know, that we have the Holy Spirit, even though we're young, the Holy Spirit is not young. You know, it's the same. And so she said, and they started handing out little sweets for those that have gone out to pray for people. <laughs> uh, I, it worked, I, I, I was, I mean, that's exactly what I thought, I looked, and looked at my wife, I said, you know babe, this is working, let the kids do it for the sake of sweets, we don't care, let people get healed, you know? And so, um, so we, we ventured on this, I, I Just before I explain this, um, so one day I, I, my back, you know, <laughs> you're getting old, eh? <laughs> my, my back, I don't know what happened, my back was just in you know, a bad state and um, I was lying in bed and my wife turned to me and said, you know, you should just let Irena pray for you because she was tired of me complaining (laughs) about this back. And um, I I said, Irena, called her over, and I said, "Um, can you pray for daddy's back? And you know, Irena was like, because she knew there's no switch involved in this one. (laughs) So she said, um, Dad, do I really have to? I said, baby, just come, <laughs> no, just, just quickly. And all she did was, she said, just be healed in Jesus' name. She walked out. <laughs> I, 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 I fell to the floor, my wife was laughing. <laughs> I fell to the floor, I burst out crying. My back completely healed. And, um, and I, isn't God good? You know, when Jesus said, um, be like little children, You know, i just looking at the faith of my daughters. uh, My boy is not there yet. (laughs) He's getting there. So we we took um, some of these audio, uh, well, to us a a couple of books uh, from Dan McCallum on the nine gifts of the Spirit. And my wife is amazing in this narration. She's from Zimbabwe. And uh, the Zimbabweans know how to speak English. (laughs) Bear with me. (laughs) okay? Um, And so she took... And narrated the whole series, then you know, being a producer, I, I said to I said, "Love, you can't just stop there. we've got to write some songs for every 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 one of the gifts, and uh, they embarked, and she, with my two girls, started writing, and then they recorded this, and I, I put a couple of tunes together for them. so I want to hand this out I, I think, oh yeah, I saw the one hand, there we go. you know, can I just I'll just give it to you, I just wanna, do you have children? Yeah, Yeah. I just wanna bless you and say may the Holy Spirit fill your kids that they may work and operate in signs and wonders, in Jesus name, amen. Anyone else? Okay. I see your hand, so I don't know, should I throw it? I'll come up to you. Can you I'll come up to you. You wanna just maybe pass that on to her? And same prayer for you, May, may your children, be filled with his presence, in Jesus' name. I wanna speak this morning, just shortly, about um, my life message, and um, I think I might just leave this with you. My, my life message is very much the foundation of who I am. I, I am um, what they call in Cape Town, South Africa. I am a cape-colored and colored in South Africa is not derogative, okay? I've come to understand different nations, different cultures, you know, it means different. But for us, um, we've actually realized this is our culture. Yeah, well, another word for it is um, mixed. Yeah. And so I grew up in, a, in, a, in an area in Cape Town uh, called the Cape Flats. If you know any history about South Africa and particularly the Western Cape, which is where Cape Town is in, uh, the Cape Flats was created um, by the old regime in order to separate races and kind of control, you know, keep things in order, you know what I mean? And um, I, I came into this world um, just at the end of apartheid. And I remember clearly my father, uh, we were at the beach one day, I think the same beach we took you guys to, and we were, we were actually... Um, walking from the one end, and we crossed a little uh, grass patch, and we came to the other end, and my dad said, okay, we, we gotta stop here. I, was, I think I was about five or six years old, and, and I said, Dad, why? Because I saw this beautiful beach, you know? And I said, "Father, uh, Dad, well, why, why are we stopping? And he said, no, 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 we're not allowed to go there. My first encounter of understanding what was happening in our nation was at the age of six. And I wasn't fully aware, you know, but all I remember was the look on my dad's face and I wondered, is this something different about us? Is this something different about who, who I am? And so my whole life, in fact, was the very question of who am I? And uh, today I'm 41 years old. Eh? I don't look too bad for 41. <laughs> Sorry. My wife is, is younger. She keeps me young. Okay. Um, But I I realized, I think I got to my 30s, early 30s, and um, it was only then that I came to understand that the kingdom of God, the culture of heaven, is the supreme culture over all, and that I'm not defined by my upbringing, my circumstances, I, I am defined by the one who created me. And so, so, even being here today is a prophetic um, thing because when I was 16, I was sitting in a service. And, you know, um, it was one of those uh, services, it's like a church in a school, not, not a school like this, okay? Like a real classroom school, you know? And there's like maybe 20 people, and, you know, and I was sitting there, and these men, young men, walked in. And I remember when they walked in, I couldn't help but notice them. So I turned around and they walked and they were the, the speakers of the day and they got up and they were young. And I looked and I thought, you know, I just saw power on them. I saw the presence of God on them. And so they started speaking and all of a sudden they, they called me up. They said, young man, come here quickly. And they've started prophesying. And they said, one day God will send you to the nations. Come on. And I'm sitting. just to explain to you, I mean, I know some of you might have been to Cape Town or South Africa. You know, we've got so many different um, locations or, or areas, suburbs, you would call it. I'm in a suburb where the thought of having a passport is like, you know, impossible. And so I'm sitting, and my mom is there, my dad is there, and they're looking at me, and you know I, I'm I'm crying. The, the presence of God is all in the place, and I can't understand how is God going to do this thing. Wow. And um, it took me up to the point of about late twenties, thirty, that I realized when I found who I am in Christ, that God began to open doors for the nations. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. You see, your your identity is is linked to your destiny. And I, I was sitting yesterday and I was, you know, prayerfully thinking into what does the Lord want to say to you? And in the one class, I remember saying that Great Britain, ah, great. Yes. You've got such a destiny. Yes. Amen. Don't forget who you are. You know, as a nation right now, South Africa, we came out of all that apartheid, we came into this freedom uh, season, and it's almost like we forgot wow. that we are right back at square one to remind ourselves of who we really are in the eyes of the Lord. Sometimes you can throw out the good because of some bad. There was the, uh, when I was 13, I think I was about 13, there was a young, not a young man then, there was a man by the name of Charles Chalmer, a real British guy. He came, I was part of the Presbyterian church, and he was, our, he was the youth uh, pastor, missionary, and he came and he pursued me. I want to share this because I feel like part of your identity as a nation is lying in even what I'm about to say. He came and he pursued me. He used to come with his bicycle. You know, so is that right word? You guys use bicycle? And um, you'd, you'd ride to my home every day, come knock on the door. And I would even sometimes I'd stand by the window and I'm like, I'm going to make like I'm not here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but he was pursuing me because he saw something that I didn't see in me. Wow. You know, I wasn't saved then. And one day um, as we were sitting down, Charles said to me, Tim, you, you need to know who you are. You need to understand who you are. And um, we went on a youth camp, which I I didn't really want to (laughs) go. I ended up going. He persuaded me. I went on this youth camp. There was a man standing, speaking the gospel that I've heard before. It wasn't like it was something new to me. And that day when I sat at this youth camp, I looked at at what was being said, and I saw it in a different way for the first time, that I, I got up and I gave my heart to Jesus. Charles then took me and he walked with me for years. And he, 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 he introduced me into uh, leadership, into many different things. You know, today Charles is somewhere in the world, I think he's in China somewhere, but he was an Englishman sent by God to go and spread the gospel to a group of people who didn't even know who they were. Don't forget who you are, Great Britain. I didn't wanna go there so soon, but I'm gonna go there. So I had this encounter the other night. Roma's been waiting for it. <laughs> I'll, I'll explain, you know, I'm not one. I have encounters, um, I, I grew up having encounters, but I'm not one to have you know, regular frequent, you know? Like, like Roma, I know some people carry that gift of just regular encounters. I was sitting, in, I was sleeping, I woke up um, in the hotel. This was the Thursday night because the Friday was at Hull, Minster. And I woke up, and the presence of God just hit the room. Now, now, this happened to me maybe once or twice before, that I started shaking. You know when you're vibrating? And I'm vibrating, I knew it was him. You know, because when he comes, there's no fear. There's like this, it's just this majesty, and this full peace, but man, your, your body doesn't know what to do. So I'm lying, and I'm, and I'm wide awake, and I'm, I'm shaking, and I said, Jesus, what are you doing to me? And, you know, he never said anything. Sorry, Roma. <laughs> I was waiting for this you no know, amazing word from Jesus, you know? And he didn't say anything, and it, it lasted for a couple of minutes, and then it just quietened down, but it was the thick presence of God I've not felt in my room for a long time. I, I went to Hull Minster. And I was intrigued by how big your uh, minsters are, the way it's built. I mean, not just the pillars, but I, I was sharing with the guys. It looks like it was built for someone big to walk through. I mean, you literally, if you look at the center of that of that cathedral or you know, minster, this arc-shaped. It's like someone big was supposed to, and all I saw was angels are probably about that size, right? I mean, I don't know, maybe bigger, but, but that's huge. And then I heard the Lord say, look how big this place is. But even the minister cannot contain me. Even the church cannot contain him. Do you know, sometimes we, we, we wait for the moment to go to church to encounter Jesus. We wait for the moment to go to church to encounter another fresh you know, outpouring, where God is saying, man, I'm way bigger than minister. I'm way bigger than, than any church. I'm big enough to come invade your home. I'm big enough to come and invade your family. I'm big enough to come and invade your children. I'm so big that I cannot be contained to a place Oh, man. So the last few years, I I used to be a worship pastor for a couple of years, um, quite a big church. And the Lord then said to me, hand it all over, which I fought with him for two years. (laughs) He said, hand it over, and I want you to go into recording. And uh, I said, Lord, but that's so unholy. That's not godly. I've been serving your body. I've been you know. And um, I fought for two years until one day my wife woke up, I tell you, the wives, eh? you guys. I mean, when the wife speaks, I knew, that's like, thus is the Lord times two, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up, my wife turned to me and she said, love, it is time. <laughs> and my heart was, you know, because as a man you start thinking about your security, and you know. Like, hey, I've got a salary as well, not just ministry, you know. It's <laughs> security here. I just bought a house, love. How are we going to do this? And she said, it's time. It's time. The Lord uh, gave her a dream that, that night. And so I, I, I went in and I handed a resignation, the, the hardest thing I could do at that time. I sat with the leadership. They asked me questions, you know, rightfully. They, How are you going to do this? I said, I have no plan and they looked at me, you know, we, we, we're quite a strategic church, you know, and they looked at me, what do you mean? I said, I've got no plan. All I know is that the Lord wanted me to step into Sounds of the Nations, and He wanted me to start a studio. And, um, and then after a few meetings, they blessed me and they said, go for it. I, I walked out of there into this world. One day the Lord said to me, I had a dream. Oh, I'm having a lot of dreams, eh? <laughs> I had this dream. I, I saw a guy, a bald-headed man, sitting in front of me, and we were having a cup of coffee. And all I remember was this guy was speaking about movies and TV, you know, and I looked at him in the dream. I couldn't see the face. I just saw the bald head, you know. And so I wake up, and now I'm already, you know, I'm already giving up the, the, the worship pastor thing. I'm sitting, we are, We're starting to build a little business, you know, with a recording studio. And I turned to my wife. I said, I had a dream. My, um, I meet this guy, I feel like the Lord is saying I need to meet this guy. And she, like Shovei looks at me and says, okay, uh, sure, the Lord will show you who he is. <laughs> and she goes on, and I'm like, I just had this amazing dream, and no, you know, there's not enough coming. <laughs> so I, I, go to, I, go to, I go to the studio, and I'm sitting down, I open my emails, and there's an email inviting me to come and do a casting. You guys do you know casting for a TV ad, you know? and I'm not, into, I'm not into television, so um, I looked at it and immediately the dream came back. So I said to my wife, I've got to go yeah. Right, let me just move, you know? I'm, I'm just gonna go and see what it's all about. I walk in, it was about a 40 minute drive, I walk into this place, and everybody's sitting, and I see like a, a queue, a line, you know, for people who wants to be on TV, right? And I'm thinking, God, I don't wanna be on TV. I'm a recording artist, I'm a you know, record producer, that's, that's what I wanna do. And, um, and I walk in, and the lady comes over and she says, sorry sir, are you here for the, the, the television ad? I said, yeah, but I said, you know what, um, do you mind if I speak to the owner? <laughs> I, I didn't know what I was doing, and she said, Sure, uh, just give me a sec, he calls this guy and he comes out and he's bald. Oh, so I'm thinking, you know, and I'll be honest with you, right, so my faith level, you know, it's like, <laughs> you, you kind of grow your faith over time, right? And, and I'm looking and i thinking, ah, maybe not, could be, could, could, he walks up to me and he says, you look very familiar. <laughs> and I said, um, yeah, I didn't want to explain too much, I said, he says, he says to me, can we have a cup of coffee? I'm thinking, great, I'm, here. I'm supposed to be here for the casting, nobody else is having coffee, I'll have coffee with you. We sit down and we start chatting and he, he's just asking questions. He, what do you do? I explained to him I'm, I'm running a studio from home. And he says, oh yeah, we had, we, we had a studio here, but man, it was so bad, you know? And um, I, I looked at him and I thought, wait, God, oh, what are you saying? So I said to him, Where, where's the studio? He shows me the studio? I said would you consider maybe if I was to bring my studio in, you know, we start talking about the rent, what would rent look like? And he says to me, no, 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 no. I, I, I've, I've gone down that road and I don't want to do this again. And so I said to him, okay. I said, look, appreciate your time and I go home. In the conversation, I mentioned about recording worship music. This guy's not saved. He's still a good friend. Still praying for him. He, he, he calls me up two days later. And he says, Tim, this is Bryn, hey, I was thinking about those worship things you're talking about, right? He says, "He says, do you know, I, I started writing a song, a worship song, right? <laughs> I said, Bryn, what do you mean you started writing a song? He says, yeah, I started writing, I thought, you know, there's quite a lot of money in worship music. <laughs> I said, there is? How do you know that? He says, well, you know, have you heard of this group called United Heel, Heel Song? And he starts mentioning Bethel, Jesus' Girl. He says, hey, these guys make a lot of money here. So, so I'm, I'm, again, he's unsaved, right? Or let's say he's pre-saved. <laughs> and so I, I, I said, okay, so what are you thinking? And he says, I'll tell you what, I'll cut the deal with you. You move your studio into my space. I don't charge you a single cent. And all I ask you is to help me record this music. <laughs> And I'm saying, God, this man, and so the, he doesn't even know you. And so I, 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 said, I said, okay, Brent, can I ask a question? I said, I'll be interested, but can I ask you a question? You are writing songs about someone you don't know. How do you do that? He said, well, you know what, I picked up the Bible. <laughs> I picked up the Bible. He said, I opened up and I started reading. I thought, hey, this is a great tune. I could put a tune to this. <laughs> So, so I end up going for two years, we ran a commercial studio in the heart of the creative hub of Cape Town. Wow. Wow. You know, we've had, um, we've had guys come through, and I mean, it's just the Lord, just saturating. You know, I'm sharing this because I want you to know, God is interested in you. Yeah. Yeah. Who you are in Him. I'm gonna give you a scripture too, just so that we, it's a preach, right? <laughs> um, God is interested in you. You know, for two years, we were there, and we had guys walking in, some floating in because they smoked a couple of weed, you know, before. <laughs> I, like, I even figured out, I know who's on water already. Those that float in, a couple of weed, okay? Some walked in, they were just aggressive. I'm like, okay, there you go. Some cocaine or heroin or, you know. And, but I tell you, one thing that stood out for, the, for those two years was that every person, most people, not everyone, they would come to us and they'd say, hey, there's something different about this studio. And, and I would be interested, you know, what, do you, what is different? Right? And they would say, no, it's like, there's this is peace, you know. <laughs> I say, oh, peace? yeah, I know. I, the Prince of Peace, right, I know him. And one day Bryn called me and he said to me, Tim, I'm struggling with some stuff in my home. And I said to him, "Uh, you wanna explain? He said, man, I don't know what it is, but he said, I don't believe in ghosts. But there's some things going on that I can't explain. Some supernatural stuff, you know. Do you perhaps do exorcism? (laughs) I said, okay, you know what, Brian? Um, I tell you what, I don't do that, but I, I tell you what, I, I know what to do. Would you allow me to come around? You know, and I thought I'll bring my assistant with, who works with me in, in the studio, and we go over with a guitar. And I walked into, the, into his house, and, you know, and I tried to explain in the most basic way. I said to him, you know, um, when there's a kingdom, right? And I said, um, like, God is like a king and he's got a kingdom, and when his kingdom comes in, every other kingdom has to go, right? And he, he understood that, he said, okay, so, so what are you gonna do, how are you gonna do that? Yeah. <laughs> I said, okay, we, we're gonna worship Jesus, right? And I said, all we're gonna do is we're gonna worship him that his kingdom comes into this place. Wow. Yeah. So, so he said, oh, that's cool, because he's into music, and he's writing worship songs, <laughs> that's cool, you know? And so we start worshiping through the house, and we just started declaring the the goodness of God, and he starts weeping. And I'm in his bedroom, and he's standing there, you know, he's got a little girl, little daughter, and he's just weeping with his little daughter. And he says to me, Man, what is this? I've never experienced this. I said to him, "Um, This is the presence of God, you know. And the Lord showed me behind his hall in his bedroom. There was something right behind that. I didn't know what it was. I just said, man, there's something, what is behind that wall? And he looks at me and says, no, it's a garden. I said, what's in your garden? And he says, "No, there's a couple of crystals. I said, you know, so when you want the kingdom of God, you can't have any other kingdom. Do you know, and that, that was probably a tipping point for I believe for him. God wants to invade your, your world. God wants to invade worlds. And so I was on a journey for eight years and I called it Discovering Jesus Outside the Church. I met, I met um, an amazing man and um, he was, he's a producer, worked with um, Universal Music Germany and um, I didn't know, I knew he was Buddhist, but I didn't know he was kind of like Jared, you know? I'll explain. <laughs> he, he had a couple of books. You <laughs> do a couple of conferences, you know, full couple of venues, you know, and so he was kind of like an evangelist in Buddhism, itinerary minister, right? <laughs> and I was like, so I didn't know this, and I, he wanted to do a course in Cape Town with me, and I, I said, okay, I said, come, and he stayed with us for three weeks, and, um, and for three weeks, there was warfare, Two worlds colliding. My daughter was a dreamer, Aislinn, she kept coming to me, Dad, I'm, I'm driving these dreams and I, I wanted even explain the dreams and I knew it was because there, there's a collision. Yeah. Worlds colliding. And so one day I'm driving and we're going off to the course in the studio and Florian turns to me and he says, man, you know, everywhere I travel in the world, I know the gods. I know the gods of China and I've been to their temples. I know the gods of India and I've been to the temples and he said, but I'm here and I don't know what God is sitting here. And I'm in the car, right? And I'm like, God, <laughs> this is, if this is not a moment, yeah. right? So I looked at him and I said, well, Florian, can I put it to you this way? I said, do you think maybe the reason why you don't know this God Or you don't, you know, you don't know what's happening in the atmosphere because you've never met this God. So he says, wow, never thought of that, you know, Uh, interesting. He says, okay, so where can I meet this God? Is there a temple? (laughs) He was, no, right, I was a worship pastor. (laughs) And all I'm thinking is, okay, I need to get this guy to church. So I said to him, I tell you what, let's do the course today. We're on our way home. Um, I'll take you to the temple, right? And it was like a weekday, so it was quiet there. Walked in, showed him and as he walks in, his hair starts rising. I mean literally stands up like I see it and I'm like, Florin, are you okay? And he says, Oh, the energy in this room. Wow. Yeah. And so we walk and you know, and now he's intrigued, he says to me, Um, Tim can we, is there a ceremonial thing here? You know, like when do they do their ceremonies, right? So I knew, okay, that's Sunday service, right? So I was learning learning another um, language. The language outside of church. The world that exists there that Jesus knows. And so I said to him, okay, that's on a Sunday. I tell you what, this church on Sunday has actually got um, they were doing a worship service they got a worship service let me take you there you're going to enjoy the music you know and we get there that Sunday and I managed to get us close to the front and um, the worship goes and the next thing I look at Florian and his hands are up (laughs) and he's weeping you know he's crying and the song it's playing is you're a good good father it's who you are and I'm looking at Florian I'm thinking you're weeping man (laughs) like what is going on is it that this revelation? And so I'm intrigued, right? And um, they managed, they, they had a, a speaker for like a 10 minute talk, and just in that, he turned to me and said, hey, I, can't, I love the music, can't stand this, can we go? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I said, let's go. In the car and he says, you know, can you play the song, that song they played, Good Good Father? I said, yeah, we got home on the piano. And I put the words in front of him, and we start, I stopped start playing. And I looked and he starts weeping again and he's singing weeping. And I, I stopped, you know, and I said, Florian, what do you feel when you sing this song? And he was in his 50s then and, he's, and they just had a baby, you know, like a year before that. And he said, Tim, when I sing the song, I see my little one and I see her looking at me saying, you're a good, good father. And I thought, okay, that's half revelation. <laughs> you're halfway there. I said, you know, no, Florian, when I sing the song, God, that God you asked about, is my father. Mm-hmm. And when I sing that song, I looked at him and I say, you're a good, good father because he's good. Yeah. And he says to me, you know, I've never had a good dad. There's a world out there that is waiting for you. But you gotta know who you are. And I said I promise I'm gonna give you scripture. (laughs) Colossians 3 verse 1 to 2. And I just wanna speak about, quickly, four things that I believe will help you. Um, How, is that right, eh? (laughs) To reach your people. Verse one, Colossians 3, it says, therefore since you have been raised with Christ, strive for the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. You know, number one, our heavenly position. I had to learn this. Where am I positioned right now? And you know, it's gotta do with your identity because I realized that having an inferior complex, you know, coming from a culture where we always felt we were not good enough we were we were um, not sure who we were and um, i realized that when i came to christ i came with the wrong p- position because i came from a position of defeat of def- defeat like man god i got to get to you <laughs> i've got so many things to get through to get to you and i used to worship like that i used to literally lead worship and i you know you wouldn't, want to, you wouldn't have wanted to be in a service with me leading back then, because it was really sad. Like, I would really like, you know, start from the place of we are all sinners, therefore let's just repent right now. And man, if we, if we pray hard enough, hopefully God will hear us, and then it'll come. And I had to change my position. You see, the position that, 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 that Paul writes about is a position seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2 verse 6 says, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Yeah. See, so you're with him. Yeah. Yeah. That's a position of authority. Yeah. That's a position of, man, he won the battle. And I'm sitting with him who won the battle and I'm looking at this going on down there, right? Yeah. That stuff that I'm dealing with and I'm saying, I am speaking from the position of authority over my circumstances. Very good. Do you know, the question I have for you is what is God calling you to surrender this morning? What is he calling you to take authority over? Yeah. Paul puts it this way, there's in Christ and then there's with Christ. In Christ, on this realm, in this realm, on earth, you, it's a position of surrender. Yeah. It's like, man, I am dead to myself, I am dead to all those things that used to define me, that used to make me feel like I'm, I'm nothing, and I'm in Him, and I walk in Him, surrendered, a surrendered life. Yeah. But the position with Christ is a position of authority. And so there's this tension, right, of I've got to surrender, but I've got to take authority. Sometimes we lean too far to this authority, declare and decree and eh, I claim it and aim it and I don't know, name it and, you know, and I, and I think there's, there's a place for that, but there's a place that comes with surrender. Very good. And we surrender, we say, Father, it's not about me, it's about you. Yes. And so we live in a world that is between two realms, citizens of this realm, that realm, in Christ, with Christ, in Christ, with Christ. What is God calling you to surrender this morning? And what is he calling you to take authority over in your life, in your family, in your nation? Colossians goes on, verse three, and says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse five, put to death, therefore, the components of your earthly nature, oh man. I said to the team yesterday, the day before, my earthly nature wanted to rise up because of an email that I received or a Facebook message. I tell you, this is a struggle every day, eh? You'll leave this place and you probably might find that you'll have to tell that old nature, sit down. Lie down, go back into the grave. And Paul identifies the things that he says what are these things, this earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Verse 6, because of these, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. When you lived among them, you also used to walk in these ways. But then he goes and he says, but now, you turn to someone and say, but now? now. Yeah, now, right now, in this present time, you are no longer that, Right? So he says what? He says, but now you must put aside all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to one another since you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Number two, it's about our heavenly identity. You see, you got to let go of the old nature to take the new nature on, which is your heavenly identity. It was hard, I'll be honest with you, in the flesh to answer that message. <laughs> and everything inside of me wanted to justify a very harsh and uh, you know answer. And the Lord said to me, is that really you, Tim? Is that you? And I thought, you know, you can never preach what you can't live, eh? I don't get it perfect all the time, but I'm, I'm, really, I'm really desiring to be more like Jesus. <laughs> so Galatians 4, verse 6 says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. And the spirit who calls out, Abba Father, you are a son and daughter of God, and you have access to call him Abba Father. So what false identities do you have this morning that you need to let go of? in order to take on that heavenly identity. Number three, Colossians 3 verse 11 goes on and says, here there is no Greek or Jew. I love this. This set be free completely. Circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, or is it Scythian, Scythian? Slave or free, But Christ is all as and is in all, therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with hearts of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive any complaint you might have. Now I'm reading this and this message comes through, right? (laughs) Any complaint you might have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love, and it's amazing what Paul says, which is the bond of perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, for to this you were called as members of one body, and be thankful. Let the word of God richly dwell within you as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, and we did that this morning, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to the Father, to God. Number three, it's about our heavenly community. You see, God didn't call you to be a lone ranger. He called you to be in community. Have you ever seen a tree uprooting itself and walking around? <laughs> exactly. It's the weirdest thing, right? you got I've never seen it though. <laughs> but you've got to be rooted in. It's only in rooting in that you begin to grow. And so God calls us to this heavenly community and it's, I'm telling you, it's the opposite of what's out there. You know, as I was, I was invited to, to um, do a course with one of the top producers who produced the, 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 the song Happy for Pharrell you also produced the album for Justin Timberlake. I don't know if you guys know this, but if you know these people, but um, 2020, the, that is one of the Justins. And I'm sitting there and I realize, you know, this is a different world, an unforgiving world, a world of, spe- uh, of, of suspicion and competit- competitiveness. And I said, Lord, you know, you gotta help me be a Christian right here. How do I release the presence of God in a world that doesn't even know God? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I didn't Bible bash. I'll be honest with you. I felt, and I really believed, the Lord said to me, "Love the Bible." Beautiful. Come on. Came to the end of the week, and I said to his name was Jimmy Douglas. I said, "Jimmy, thank you for this amazing, you know, course and experience." And I said, "Is there anything that I could take home, you know?" And I was expecting this, you know. This is how you're gonna become the best producer in the world. (laughs) And he says to me, he looks at me, he says, Tim, you know, there's something on you. There's a genuineness, integrity and honesty. He said, don't lose that because that is not out there. And that was it, and I thought, okay Lord, if that's the formula (laughs) to change the world, That's as simple as that, the formula to change the world is to be Christ-like, which is totally opposite of what's out there. And so I'll leave you with that question. Are you part of community? I'm, I'm about to run a church, eh? And I warned my congregation, I said, guys, you asked me to lead you, okay? Just so you know, I have been following Jesus outside of the church for the last eight years. People are going to be coming in that are not churched. And that's been happening. So we've had drug dealers, drug users, um, prostitutes coming in, come to know Jesus, and it's filthy. Like, you know, it's messy, you know? Um, Some of our people are struggling. <laughs> and it's fine. I'm like, you know what? This is real, right? This is life. Now we're talking. This is church. Okay. So, how are we going to help you deal with this? You know, I, I was sharing with Jadid, we would do, we'd do a seminar in our, in our home because I just felt it's safer for them than to take them to church. You know, this is amazing, but this can be intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and just the anointing on, where's Dolly? On Dolly, it's so great, but I can tell you, like, some people might just feel like, whoa, you know, like, that's just a little bit too much for me. Oh, going on. And so we, we had them in the house, and, and the Holy Spirit came and they slain and they would cry and they would, and then, you know, I said to them, let's take a break before we resume walking out and they're all standing, smoking in the corner. (laughs) I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, it's messy, right? Jesus walked three years with his disciples and they were like fishermen. And I mean, Peter still took that knife and he like, bam, you know, he did it so casually. He probably did this a few times, right? But Jesus Jesus didn't give up. Are you part of community and are you drawing people into community? We need to be the church out there. And lastly, it comes to the last thing, verse 17. And whatever you do in word and deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, our heavenly assignment. What is our heavenly assignment? It is to be Jesus in whatever we do whatever you do in deed or in word. And so I really just felt I wanted to share with you that God is bigger than your ministers. He's bigger than your churches. You cannot be contained. You know this is a time to draw people together but I'm telling you it is always greater to go. And going doesn't necessarily mean, we sent a team to Lesotho, I said to the church, not everybody needs to go to Lesotho to go. (laughs) Tomorrow, or even after the service, you walk out, and you're going. (laughs) You you go, you guys call it fuel, or or gas? I don't, okay, fuel, right, petrol. (laughs) You fill your car, and there's there's probably some people there. And you know, it might just take one word, good word, or good deed, that can show Jesus to them.